from an exam table at the doctor's office. It's two middle-aged men in Cleveland featuring proctologist Terry O'Toole. My last exam was so good, he gave me two thumbs up. And now, two guys who go together like bacon and eggs, Ted Klopp and Ken Dworsky. Ted, we're uh, starting this episode with two thumbs up as we head to episode 52 in Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Oh, my gosh. Did you ever think that Jay Pappas, our former professor, would be voicing our intros for this wonderful podcast that we do and then voicing something having to do with a proctologist? I mean, that's just that's, outstanding. That's... Uh, mark that down on the list of things I'd never expected to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, Ted, this is a big week for the city of Cleveland as they are hosting draft day for the NFL draft here in 2021. In years past, the draft used to be a big deal for a lot of folks because it was basically our Super Bowl. But uh, this year, a little bit different, obviously, is the Browns have the 26 pick. Their team is good. And for the first time in a long time, we don't have to concern ourselves with who's going to be our starting quarterback. So that's that's a huge bonus. But I'm actually going down there to check things out uh, with myself and Awen and, and my kids to check out some of the draft day experience. Uh, they're supposed to have some stuff in the stadium, so you have the opportunity to run around there. So I'm really looking forward to that. But one other thing that I wanted to bring up, when you talk about draft day, it reminds me of the movie that obviously I think many people have seen that was based on the Cleveland Browns and obviously was kind of a made up thing. Kevin Costner was the, the GM and his dad had passed away and all that. Well, a lot of that was filmed in Cleveland. And the funny part about that is Kevin Costner when he was here, and I think a lot of it was like in Gates mills and they had some like other areas that they did it. You could tell that they did some shots in the flats and all that. Well, while he was there, he wanted to play golf. He's a big golf guy. Okay. So the person that drove him around, I'm not going to give any names out, was connected with the people at Jack Frost Donuts. And so this person drove him around for a couple weeks. And Kevin Costner's like, you want to play golf? This was all posted in Cleveland.com and all that. And the guy's asking the driver this. Correct. Okay. So he's like, yeah, that's fine. So. They didn't take him to some premium course. I mean, here in the Cleveland area, we have some beautiful courses. Westwood Country Club, Lakewood Country Club, Canterbury. I mean, these are really nice places. I've never been out there. I'll never be allowed. They don't take him there. The guy's like, I got a place for you. We'll get on today. They played at Ridgewood Golf Course right in Parma. Ridgewood. And I guess the best story is they walk up and, and I love Ridgewood. I grew up there. My parents have a house there. I played a lot of golf there. I love that course. So they walk up, you know, it's, it's not fancy. The clubhouse is older. They walk to the the, the front (laughs) step inside and the lady (laughs) that was like giving out hot dogs and stuff. I think she almost had a stroke is what they said. (laughs) Hi, how are you? Can I help you? Yes. Oh my gosh. You're Kevin Costner. So that, that I always remember that story right around draft day, which connects with the movie and all that stuff. Kevin Coster being a, such a nice guy. And from what I've been told, he's a pretty good golfer, but I guess he had a great time and it's some great memories for, you know, certainly Ridgewood golf course and the people of Cleveland. But I believe Ted, as we transition, you also have some sort of golf story. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I know this is odd, but I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago because my youngest son is interested 
Oh, he, t- he talks about wanting to play golf. Didn't talk about it for a long time. So I called you and I said, where do we, you know, how do you sign up for beginning golf lessons for a seven-year-old? And you gave me first tee. I called him and got him signed up. So his first lesson was this past Saturday. Okay. And he loved it. And he's already got it all down. So my wife shoots some video of him and he's at the driving range, you know, teeing, teeing off or hitting the ball as best a seven-year-old can. <laughs> if he, you know, swings it back and hits the ball and I don't know, it goes off on the side or whatever. And <laughs> very loudly, he said, are you kidding me? <laughs> so he's, he's got that down. Yes. Right away, which is a <laughs> common great. phrase. And it's great because if you're ever with him, he is a chatterbox and he will give you play by play of, you know, his stream of consciousness of whatever's happening. And so I guess it was just, you know, uh, golf play by play to the point where, you know, you're kind of supposed to be quiet on the, on the, on the golf course. And he hasn't grasped that part yet, but I guess we had a few, are you kidding me? That is awesome. Coming up on this show, we have a Cleveland landmark that opened 120 years ago this week. We're going to talk about it this week in Cleveland history. We're going to get in the ring again with Steve Muehlhausen from DAZONE. In Klopp's Clips, we're going to tell you about a unique promotion to encourage people to get the COVID vaccine. We have another Zoom snafu to tell you about as well. I know you love those. So... That'll be interesting. And what does the NFL and what does the NFL have to do with the game rock, paper, scissors? Well, Hmm. we're going to explain that all that. Plus our guest this week is proctologist, Dr. Terry O'Toole. Yes, you heard me right. Proctologist, Dr. Terry O'Toole, Dr. Terry O'Toole. He's going to join us to talk about men's health. And so with that in mind, Ken, you know, I like these jokes about uh, somebody walks into a bar. So this is right up your alley. Tab. A proctologist walks into a bar and says, is this stool taken? Here's some good news. A truck driver helped save the life of a utility worker. The worker was up in the bucket of his truck when the truck caught fire. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. A police officer spotted a tractor trailer at an intersection driven by Efrain Zepeda. The officer and the driver quickly devised a plan. The driver pulled the tractor trailer up near the bucket, allowing the utility worker to jump out of the bucket onto the trailer. Oh, my gosh. Escaping serious injury or maybe even death. Wow. Wow. That is just unbelievable. Quick thinking on the police officer as well as the person driving the tractor trailer. What? That's amazing to save that person's life. Unbelievable. Yep. And, and, and showing no concern for oneself, just making sure that they could help somebody else. We, we need more of that. No, there's no doubt. And Ted, that's some good news. Well, that is some good news. Now, I know we normally close this segment with that, but, you know, we have the proctologist coming right up. I don't know. Did you hear about the proctologist and the psychiatrist who opened a practice together? I did not. They called it odds and ends. <laughs> Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV. You've heard me talk about their top-notch rental services, but don't take my word for it. Here are some Google reviews. 
The Ohio Society of Association Executives says not only do they meet every need we have, they anticipate additional services and requests that we have had and are always prepared. The Westside Catholic Center says the elements they added to our event enhanced every aspect of the evening. Very easy to work with, incredibly knowledgeable, and made adjustments on the fly. Whether you are planning a virtual or an in-person event, Westminster AV should be your first call for dependable, professional, audiovisual equipment rentals. Call today, 216-325-6960. Again, the number, 216-325-6960. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, Today's guest is a native of Parma, Ohio. After graduating from Xavier University, our guest graduated from the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. He went on to complete his internal medicine residency and gastro fellowship training at the University of Cincinnati Medical School. He's been board certified since 2009. Our guest is the current chair of the endoscopy at Mercy West Hospital. Our guest has consistently been voted by his medical peers as a top doc in Cincinnati. Let's talk with Dr. Terry O'Toole. Dr. O'Toole, what a pleasure it is to talk with you today. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm honored to be here with one of my groomsmen for my wedding. It's, it's, it's a true honor. <laughs> Gosh, which is how many years? Wow. How many years? Uh, let's see. We're almost 18 years in, man. Gosh, thank you. 2003. Well, thank Day God that people can't see video on this because I do not look anything like those pictures that you took at your wedding. <laughs> as it is, you look about the same. Well, first of all, let's just get all of the colon and butt jokes out of the way, okay? So we're not oh. going to have conversations about no bend over. I will show you what to do with that, or no, my name is not Doctor Seymour Butts. I can only imagine I, what you get from family and friends. So we'll leave I don't that have out. Any questions? Then I have no questions. I'm done. <laughs> We're going to keep this serious because this is a serious matter. So on a serious note, the month of March was Men's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Ted and I are middle-aged men, even though we both act like we're about 16 years old. Talk about the importance of colonoscopies with men and what preventative measures should men be taking when it comes to their health? Well, it's, it's, I think it's important first, Ken, that we just talk about colon cancer and sort of get perspective. Um, you know, colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Almost, uh, almost 10% of all the cancer deaths in the U.S. are from colon cancer. So almost 50,000 people each year are dying from this. So it's significant. Um, we know that colon cancer tends to develop, you know, when you're getting older. So usually it was 50 or older is when the screening guidelines started. So between the ages of 50 and 75, we were checking patients to see if they have something called a colon polyp, which is like a precursor to a colon cancer. And obviously, if you remove those polyps, you can decrease the risk of getting colon cancer. But um, what we're seeing now is that the guidelines have morphed into a little bit of a younger age group to start. So now the recommendations are 45 and older is when you should start doing this. So uh, it's really important that you get it checked uh, early in the game, because what we're seeing is that um, we're seeing sort of a, a, a trend where younger individuals are tending to develop cancers at an earlier age. Um, so it's really important that when you hit that 45 year old mark that you start getting screened. And we also know for men that men tend to have um, higher incidence, higher numbers of colon cancers in men and higher mortality rate, uh, rates in men as well. So 
men tend to be affected a little bit more than women. So a colonoscopy for those middle-aged men who have not had a colonoscopy before, I think everybody has an idea of what it is. I don't know how accurate that idea is. So what, what is the preparation that a patient must do ahead of time? And what's involved in a colonoscopy? What, what happens? How does the patient feel during it, after it? What do we, sure, uh, sure. How, how, how painful a process is this? Well, I can tell you, Ted, having lived through it myself this past year, actually about two months ago, I had my first colonoscopy. I uh, had a little bit of a family history, so I got started a little bit earlier, but it, it's, it's really not as bad as you think. Um, really the day before you're, you're gonna be on like a liquid diet for most of the day. So you're not eating solid foods the day before. And usually around dinner time, you start with drinking uh, what's called a, a prep, essentially. So it's basically a laxative prep that you drink. Um, and obviously, you, you can extrapolate the results. <laughs> it's basically trying to clean out your colon so that when I go in the next day, I can see what I need to see. And um, we know that polyps come in different shapes and sizes. Some of these polyps are flat and some are round, like almost like a mushroom cap but the flat ones are really the ones that are the most challenging to see. So it's, that's really the most important thing is getting prepped. Um, so basically you'll drink that prep throughout the evening. And then the next morning you'll drink the prep a second time. You sort of split it in half. And then you come into our endoscopy center or an endoscopy center near like in Cleveland as well. But um, you'll get an IV placed. Once that IV is placed, you'll come into the room, you get some medication to fall asleep. And while you're asleep, we take a look through the colon with a little scope that's got a camera on it. And we have little um, channels that we can stick through that little um, scope that we can take out the polyps if need be. So all told, this procedure tends to take between 25 and 30 minutes on average. Um, and then you come out to recovery, wake up from the anesthesia. We monitor you for about 10 minutes and you go home. It sounds like a simple <laughs> procedure. It's it a really very, <laughs> it's pretty simple once you get down to it. I will recommend, so no names, please. That's part of our rule. For a couple companies I worked for previously, there was a gentleman that was in charge who decided to do his prep at work. So oh, he did no. a march up and down in the office. It had to be going on for 20 minutes where I thought he was, you know, part of a marching band for Padua High School or something like that, where I was just like, holy cow, what is going on? And then I found out and, and somebody asked him, why did you come to work? Well, I, I can't miss work. For that you can i think you could yeah. <laughs> my gosh so terry a question i have obviously as we continue to talk about this certainly with men's health and everything how did you decide to get into this type of medical field was there something that you know certainly as a younger person that really intrigued you about it what made you get into this this field itself the nice thing i like about my field is that we're preventing cancer and a lot of patients which i liked right you the thing about colon cancer is it's one of the few cancers that you can identify and prevent very effectively. So that intrigued me a lot to just be more preventative versus reactive to the cancer. Um, and, and just statistically, it, it's interesting. If you look at, if we screened one more percent of the population, that essentially is like 3 million people more a year, you can prevent like 1300 of the colon cancers out of those, you know, 150,000 each year. So it, it's really, uh, that was one thing intrigued me. The other thing about GI is there's a lot in GI. It's not just colonoscopies. There's, you know, pancreas disorders. You got liver disease. There's a whole bunch of stuff in GI. So that intrigued me too, is that there's a, just a lot of variety. But really the prevention part was, was nice. Uh, it's a mix of procedure and office too. So there's a good mix and variety in GI. So it's not sure. just your office. Always. So 
you've been practicing for a number of years now. Have mm-hmm. you seen, you talked about the guidelines changing mm-hmm. uh, as to when a man should get a colonoscopy. Have you seen an increase in colon cancer over that same period of time? Actually, Ted, it's interesting. Um, the numbers of colon cancers are actually going down because as more people, as I mentioned, as more people are getting screened, which we're seeing more people getting screened for colon cancer, which is a great thing. Unfortunately, this past year has been a hit to us because COVID and, you know, things were shut down. So it's a little scary to think about what's going to happen in the next few years because of the fact that nobody did anything for almost a year. But yeah, what we had seen is the past 10 years, the numbers of colon cancers were actually decreasing. The only age groups that were going up were those less than 40. So, you know, 40 to 40, like the 20 to 50 year olds, you've seen a little increase, but most of the patients that get colon cancer are older than 50. So we've seen a good drop, almost one to 2% per year over the past 10 years. So that's good. Terry, I guess two final questions. One, obviously not the, the information everybody wants to hear, but they need to hear this. And this is really good information that you're giving everyone. So let's say, uh, okay, you said you got your first colonoscopy. I'm supposed to get my first one. I'm going to be 46 here next year. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. often am I supposed to get this? Is this every year? Is this every couple of years? How often is that supposed to happen? So if you're what we consider average risk, meaning you do not have a family history of colon cancer, um, if you had a colonoscopy at age 46 and it was normal, you'd probably be good. You would be good for 10 more years. Um, if you had a polyp and that polyp was precancerous, uh, it depends on a few variables, the size of the polyp and the number of polyps. But usually if you had one polyp and it was a small one, usually you'd come back in five years if it was a precancerous polyp. But most of the time, if you have a normal scope, no family history of colon cancer and a first degree relative, you're good for 10 years. All right. So I know Ken at the beginning of this said we were getting all the, the jokes out of the way, but I'm curious from your perspective, And keep in mind, we have some young ears that listen to our podcast. Mm -hmm. I want to know what your favorite uh, uh, colon doctor joke is that you can share and tell with young Uh, listeners' uh, ears. Yeah, that's a good one, Ted. And almost every day I hear some good ones. Um, You know, you're putting me on the spot now. And I I have so many in my head right now that I'm sort of (laughs) running. But, you know. I hear a lot of exit only, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I've had some people draw arrow signs to the, to the, where they're going. I mean, there's some people that are pretty creative. (laughs) Okay. No, they got to have a sense of humor about this, right? I mean, when you come in, you're meeting somebody for the first time, there's a little bit of awkwardness about it, but you know, most people are in, you know, understand that this is really important and they, you know, we try to make light of the situation as much as we can. We try to make it comfortable. But that's yeah, there's some really good characters out there that like to. That's that, that is great. Well, Terry, one last question. So your wife, Jennifer, is also a medical doctor. This is really an interesting question at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital and Cincinnati Medical Center. She's mm-hmm. also a professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. So now you have two doctors under one roof trying to raise three kids. OK. I can only imagine your household could be a bit busy at times, like many of us. But being a doctor, being married to a doctor, and nearly a middle-aged dad and husband, what is your biggest challenge you face on a daily basis? Uh, getting kids up for school <laughs> yep. and getting dinner on the table and, and getting kids ready for bed. I mean, it's the day is so crazy, and then we both get home, and you know the kids are usually just you know round down and, and wound up and stuff. So. 
yeah, really the mornings and the evenings are the challenge, but you know, now that they're getting older, it's getting a little easier. We still have a six-year-old. He's a little bit of a, I won't tell you what we call him, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's a rabble rouser. That's, that's for another day. I understand. Yeah. Another day. Understand that. That's that, that. Does that go with those jokes that we can't it tell her? It, it definitely yeah, does. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, Terry, thank you so much for the time. Can you stay with us to join us for our game time segment? Of course. Of course. I'd love to. Cleveland. This is for you. This week in Cleveland history, it's May 1st, 1891. Ken, you were, see, I'm stealing your joke now. Uh, I was a star. That's what my mother used to say when it was things happened before you were born. You were a star. A star, huh? Okay, well, yeah. we can go with that. All right. Well, the first baseball game was played at League Park, East 66th in Lexington, and before a crowd of 9,000 fans, the home team at the time was the Cleveland Spiders. The star pitcher on that particular occasion, Cy Young. Unbelievable. League Park's playing field was shaped like a rectangle due to the configuration of the streets surrounding the park. Made the right field fence about 290 feet, so they put up a 40-foot-high wall. In 1979, the site was declared a Cleveland landmark and placed on the National Register of Historic Places. Have you ever gone to uh, what is left, which is not much, of League Park? I actually have. I've stopped by there and spent, you know, I, I think it was 25, 30 minutes. It's pretty neat, in all honesty. See, the, they have a, you know, what are those registered marks or registered mm-hmm. plaques to talk about it? And obviously, the, you get a sense of what that was like. Have you been there before? I have. By? In fact, I was there. It's now a, they've redone it. And there's a nice baseball field there. Yes. What used to be there was just an empty field. The only thing that they, I wish they wouldn't have done, which they did when they put the new uh, field in there, there used to be, there were, um, what do I want to say? Underground um, tunnels. There were tunnels partway underground to get to the uh, dugouts. Yep. Those were still there. I don't know if you saw those when you were there, but I saw those and kind of checked them out. Yeah, I, when I was there, I saw that. Then I are those are those still there now, or oh, those are gone now? They that took I was those just going to say from what I was told. Yeah. Yes, they took those out. So what's left is the right part of the wall that would have been for right field or the thir- first baseline and the ticket office, and then the rest of it is you know all gone. But there's a baseball field there, so it's pretty cool. And uh, nice that we have that memory. It's just, I, it would be really cool to somehow be able to go down there and see a little bit more of it, you know, nowadays. But, you know, time moves on. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. Well, that is our uh, This Week in Cleveland History. And I know we talked to the proctologist earlier. Uh, did you hear about the proctologist who went to write a note? And when he pulled it, when he reached into his shirt, instead of a pen, he pulled out a thermometer. And then he said, great, now some dirty bum has my pen. Cleveland! This is for you! All right, let's get in the ring. Uh, Steve Muehlhausen from DAZONE is back with us. Thanks for your time, Steve. Uh, if it's if it's in a ring, you cover it. Is that fair to say? <laughs> if it's in... I said this yesterday to a friend. Ring, cage... 
Octagon. <laughs> I am there. Let's All rock. Right. Let's rock. All right, well, we'll start with a little, some wrestling conversation here. A&E has some new wrestling-related programs. They produce the WWE Legends biographies, which are doing big ratings for them, although when you start with Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's a, a pretty good place to start. There's another one on there that I just saw the first episode of, The Quest for Lost WWE Treasures. Have you seen this? Oh, my God, it's fantastic. It is unbelievable. I the fact they came up with this and you're finding like rare masks from like Mick Foley and the first mask from Kane or a shirt from Mick Foley. I'm like, this is great. Yep. Like archive stuff, like historical stuff like that. I'm a fan of. They're, they're kind of combining the quest for a lost treasure with wrestling. So you're pulling in two different groups. It's pretty interesting. This partnership with WWE, I think is a great thing. And hopefully we do see more of it because but it's going to help out AE and also helps out WWE. And it's the right and the left hand are working together here. And I think what we've seen, the most wanted treasures, fantastic stuff. Well, Steve, staying with wrestling, and we talked about this the last time you were on, there's a slew of talent releases from the from WrestleMania following it last week. And we found out at least one of those talents received her belongings from the WWE in a garbage bag. <laughs> Kind of different. What what do you have on this? And what other things are you hearing about some of these people that have been released? That's horrible. We'll start there. Mickey James got sent her stuff in a FedEx. It came in a box via FedEx. But when she opened the box, it was a big bag of garbage. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the talent headed. Uh, Mike, Mark Carano. Mark Carano. Got, got let go. Him. Do we know if Mickey James is the only wrestler that this happened to? Or is this... Something that uh, Carano is that commonplace when a wrestler's released from WWE? It's been commonplace for a long time. Wow. You know, I've talked, I talked to some female talent that it's happened to. They wow. put it, they've made it known on Twitter. And I've just, I'm mean, just having conversations with them throughout the past. And I've been told that they've done that. Mickey James just happened to be the first one that's like, WTF what, what's going on here and put it out for the world to see and I give her credit for that because people are like oh she's being bitter because she's, she got fired I mean, she's not bitter she's got plenty of money her husband's a pro wrestler he makes a lot of money yeah it was more to her a respecting of yep. how she got treated in this second run back in WWE because she got treated pretty bad and mm -hmm. this is more as she put it you know paraphrasing the icing on the cake you think about this, a multi-billion dollar company can't find a nice way to, hey, here's your belongings. You put it in a trash bag with a blue piece of tape on it with your name. And Mark Carano wasn't well liked to begin with, talking to a lot of people there just even before this happened. And it's more of the position he's in. I was going to ask, is it the position or the person? I was told it's both. Yeah. But some people I've talked to have said he's a great human being. And this thing has always been bothersome because, you know, there are plenty of great people that work in WWE. I'm not going to sit here and say there's not because I talk to a lot of them and they're great to work with. They're, you know, I know some of the talent. They're great to talk to. They've been more than kind with me in sending up interviews and, you know, giving me stuff that I need. And, you know, but just like some of them I've known on a little bit on a personal level and they're generally good people. But you, I also hear that, you know, you got a 75-year-old man who's very archaic and yes. stuck mm -hmm. in and set in his ways. 
the bully mentality still does exist to a point. And you yep. gotta they gotta figure that out. And that was right after their earnings haul. Record <laughs> revenue. It was Thursday was supposed to be a great day for WWE and it ended up the crap ended up hitting the fan and it was a bad PR day for WWE and they have no one to blame for that but themselves. Well, speaking of getting some traction, another group that's gotten some traction, let's talk about AEW. And for those who maybe aren't familiar with AEW, how is it different than WWE in your, how would you describe it? And what would you say are the differences? Better storytelling. Mm-hmm. Don't insult the fans' intelligence. The wrestlers are better. They let the, the talent be themselves. More younger talent getting opportunity. And they brought some of the older guys in, you know, Chris Jericho, a great signing that really got them going. You know, they had a lot of great talent to begin with, but people didn't know them on a national level. Unless you're really into wrestling now, they're on TNT. Ratings are great. One of the top shows in all of sports, top one of the top rated shows. So they're big into 18 to 49 demographic. More often than not, they're in the top five in all of sports for the week. That's fantastic. They just brought in Christian Cage, which I was a really big deal, former world champion in WWE, a guy who can more than still go. He doesn't wrestle like he's 47. The announcing is very good. They got a great owner in Tony Khan, who also owns the Fulham soccer team in the Premier League. His dad is Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So they're more than well-funded. They got a great TV deal with with – Warner Media and being on TNT every Wednesday night. They were in the game for not even a year, and Warner Media already had extended their deal and gave them more money. Wow. Just, that's how good the ratings have been for them so far. And AEW is kicking, doing pretty well right now, and definitely something you guys should be watching every week because week in, week out, they're putting on pretty compelling TV. Well, speaking of great fights, great storytelling, and the like, This week, we want to close with an interesting historical event, April 30th, 2006. Steve, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to jog your memory. 15 years ago, WWE presented Backlash. And one of the the big fights on the card that, boy, did it live up to the billing. I know where you're going. Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon (laughs) took on Shawn Michaels and God, Vince McMahon wrestled God. What do you remember about this? Uh, looking back on it, just some quick thoughts here as we wrap up. We like to, you know, remember some of the more unique things that have happened. So I'd never thought I'd see Vince McMahon wrestle God. And I don't know. I don't think God got in the match. But uh, what do you recall? As soon as you said to backlash 2006 Ted I exactly knew where you were going so I started laughing and not in a good way that was something I remember a conversation I had with Shawn Michaels and this was I been I brought this up to him and he goes man he's like he asked me to do this and I thought it was a joke he's like I thought he was kidding he's like he's like he's pitching this to me and I'm sitting listening I I didn't say nothing yet But my mind is going like, how am I going to turn this down? How am I going to say this is a bad idea to my boss? Mm -hmm. And he's like, Steve, he sold me so well on it. I couldn't tell him no. (laughs) 
It is the power of Vince McMahon. Yep. He, yes. he and that he wasn't the first talent that Shawn Michaels wasn't the first one that said that to me. And I don't think he's going to be the last. Nope. Vince just has this like innate charisma about him, even at 75, to where he can still sell you on something that you're really not certain you believe in too much going into the conversation. You can sell ice cream to Eskimos. Absolutely. Didn't the uh, Disco Inferno on a Nitro try to wrestle the Invisible Man once? Okay. All right. That's a good place to stop because (laughs) the the limit of the, oh, this is, okay. This was was fun. Steve, thank you for the trip down memory lane and the uh, thoughts on all the different things wrestling. Real quick, where can people follow your stuff? Go to thezone.com and all my stuff is up there. A lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, big fight this weekend. Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola, Fox Sports Pay Per View. I will have a feature from my chat with Chris Ariola that will be up. And then on Friday, I'm going to have a cool piece up with the great Chuck Liddell. I don't know how this conversation is going to go. I haven't talked to Chuck in a minute, so it's going to be good to reconnect with Chuck. And I'll have a a piece. Up, it'll be like a Q and A style type of piece with Chuck Liddell. Talk about it's got a new podcast. It's out right now. So it, I've listened to a couple of the first couple episodes. And it's pretty cool so far. So going to talk to the Iceman, talk about Jake Paul, talk about what he thought of the UFC show this weekend. All right, Steve. Well, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Steve, Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Thanks, man. Great stuff as always. The most trusted name in journalism, Klopp's Clips. All right, Ken, time for news you should know but probably haven't heard. The NFL draft starts tomorrow here in Cleveland, and teams have a lot of different ways of evaluating the collegiate talent that will be in that draft. The most unique test, in my opinion, comes from new Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, who explained one of his methods during a press conference. I'll tell you, I think some of you guys are wondering, like, what game? We didn't go earth-shattering on these games, right? I played a couple of them at rock, paper, scissors, right? That was as easy as that. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to him. Did you talk trash back to me, right? Um, Jeopardy. There's different ways to do it. So, uh, Ken, have you ever talked trash while playing rock, rock, paper, scissors? I'm going to tell you right now, actually, I have. And it was with my kids. Yeah, with my kids, I have. But other than that, Probably not. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe we can ask more questions because there's a gentleman by the name of John Gannon who's actually the defensive coordinator for the Eagles who went to St. Ignatius. So maybe mm. he can give us more info on the rock, paper, scissors game as well with uh, Coach Serrani. Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. And apparently he plays Jeopardy with him too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Whatever you have to do to find the right player. Yeah. Man, it's like the days of Bill Belichick pounding guys in the chest and bruising them. I love it. Can, yep. can you see Bill Belichick playing rock, paper, scissors? Bill doesn't have time for that. He's <laughs> on to Cincinnati. So. Thank you. COVID vaccine news now. Residents in Washington, D.C. getting some unique offers to receive a shot. Joints for jabs. Come on. No. Is <laughs> a weed giveaway from a local advocacy organization. The idea is to get people vaccinated and then have them lobby council members to reform marijuana laws. Anybody taking advantage of the promotion got the COVID shot and a joint. Yeah, whatever it takes, you know, get yourself vaccinated, I guess, and then 
Once you do that, you light it up. Let's go. Thanks for jabs. A bowler found a unique way to honor the memory of his dad. John Hinkle Jr. had the ashes of his deceased father sealed into the thumb hole of his bowling ball. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> then he invited his brother to the alley and said, I'm shooting a 300 with this ball. With the encouragement of his brother and his dad apparently uh, along for the ride, Hinkle called his shot and did, in fact, shoot a 300 with the special ball. That's crazy. That's not like something straight out of the Big Lebowski is what that is. Unbelievable. That's that's a really, actually, that's a pretty cool story. I it is a cool story. It's I have different. to tell you, I'm going to let my kids know, don't put me in a bowling ball. What would you rather be? I don't know, but a bowling ball isn't it. Oh, I got it. A hockey stick. Uh, maybe a hockey puck. <laughs> Perfect. Slap me around. A woman in Michigan nearly lost her eyesight when she woke up with dry eyes and her contacts in. She tried taking them out with what she thought was a bottle of eye drops. In the dark, when she reached into her purse, she instead grabbed a similar-sized bottle of fingernail glue. Oh, my gosh. She put a couple drops in her eye before realizing the problem. Her eye was glued shut. She went to the ER, and doctors were able to open her eye and remove the contact lens. They say that lens saved her vision by keeping the glue from reaching her eye. Wow. Well, I guess that could be a good promotion for whoever she got the lenses from. There you go. Another usage for contact lenses. Protecting your (laughs) Protecting your eye. When you decide to put super glue glue in it. Yeah. Perfect. Investigators in Arizona looking into a complaint from a woman who had two tires on her car slashed during the discovery of the damage. She also found a finger. Oh, geez. A human finger. Oh, boy. Cops identified Kevin Johnson as the former finger owner. They believe he accidentally severed the finger while doing the tire slashing. He's now under arrest, facing multiple charges. No word on how they fingerprinted him when they arrested him. I mean, it's confusing to me that you're going through this process and you're going to slash tires and accidentally cut your finger off. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Wouldn't you want to take that with you? You just want to leave it? Uh, Forget it. I'll just leave this here. I'm done. Sliced your finger off. Does the word karma mean anything here? Oh, no. A woman in Florida, woman in Florida, <laughs> is waiting for her virtual court hearing to begin. Nayurka Aguero was charged with third-degree grand theft. She's a nurse. We know she's a nurse because while she was waiting for the Zoom hearing, she inadvertently broadcasted herself giving a patient an injection in the buttocks. Oh my God. <laughs> a spokesman for the court. Did not provide any additional information on the hearing. My memory's good. I believe weeks ago, on another fine episode, I believe you were highlighting a doctor who was trying to do something in court mm-hmm. and actually was denied cat. because he was in the process of surgery. Does this nurse oh, yeah. work for the same hospital? That's my question. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. People, people pass the time with all kinds of things while they're waiting on Zoom. I think that's what we've learned. That's here. correct. Yes. Yeah. That's the virtual waiting waiting room, and God only knows what you can see in that virtual waiting waiting room. 
We will move along with a virtual closing of this week's collection of Klopp's Clip. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's time for our game time segment with our guest, Dr. Terry O'Toole, who was named one of the top gastro doctors in Cincinnati. His opponent was recently named one of the top burger eaters in Northeast Ohio, Ted Klopp. Today's game is Cleveland trivia. I will ask you three different questions about Cleveland sports. You will need to select one of the multiple choice answers that I give. The winner will need to guess the most correct answers, of course. And you can both have the same answers on each questions. Today's winner will receive a great prize, an opportunity to hold the boom mic on the sideline for a Browns game. What a treat for both of you. Could experience a 300-pound man running past you on the sideline at full speed as your life flashes before your eyes. What a great experience it could be. So great prize today. Awesome. Ken, Ken what did you say that I uh, was named? You were uh, named the best burger eater in Cleveland, Ted. Congratulations. Okay, I thought you were, and, and Dr. O'Toole is the best, uh, what well, is he's he? He's one of the top doctors in Cincinnati. So he does I thought you were going to say that I was one of the top gas producers in Cleveland. No, I, thought <laughs> no, go no I, I just wanted to allow you to say that yourself. So we just Okay, did. thank Perfect. you. I appreciate that. Thanks for the setup. I will go with question one. Oh, my gosh. Okay, as you both know, LeBron James is the all-time leading scorer for the Cleveland Cavaliers with 23,119 points. Who is second on this list? Is it Bingo Smith, Brad Doherty, Zadrunas Ilgaskis, or Austin Carr? Terry, you are our guest and get to guess first on who is the second leading scorer all-time for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I am going to go, I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to go with Austin Carr. Austin mm. Carr. Okay, Theodore? That's the way I was leaning, but I know we're allowed to double up, but I will choose differently, and <clears throat> I'm going to go with uh, Brad Doherty. Brad Doherty. Okay. Well, I must inform you, you are both incorrect. Brad Doherty is third at 10,389 points. Austin Carr is fourth 
with 10,265. But second is Zerdrunas Elgaskis oh. with 10,616 points. I was really surprised about that, too. Yeah, I thought either good. of those guys would be ahead of him, but he played so long, and there we go. He's second. So There's only one thing I say to that. Pass the potatoes. <laughs> That's correct. All right, we'll go to question two. We're at zeros here. Okay. So question two, Earl Averill is the all-time Indians leader in RBIs with 1,084. Who is second on the list? Is it Jim Tomey, Tris Speaker, Manny Ramirez, or Larry Doby? Ted, you get to guess first this time on who is second all-time in RBIs for the Indians. For the Indians. For the Indians. This is... This is tricky. I don't think it's Manny Ramirez because I don't think he was with the Indians long enough. Tommy had two stints with the Indians. I think it's either him or Larry Doby. I'm going to go with Larry Doby. Okay. Mr. O- Dr. O'Toole? Uh, I'm going to go with Tommy just because I have no idea who Larry Doby is. I know who he <laughs> is. But I-, <laughs> I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> Dr. Tool, like the way you're working here. That is correct. Jim Tomey at 937 is correct. He is second all time. Larry Doby is actually 10th. Tris Speaker's fifth. And Manny Ramirez, which I thought would be higher as well, was only eighth. So, yeah, that's a difficult question, to be honest with you, because those guys played at obviously different places and things like that. All right, so we have one to nothing. Dr. O'Toole, as we go to question and the final question, number three, which will be a Browns question. We got to spread it around. We got to spread the love. We got to love the Browns. I know, Terry, I know you're a huge Browns fan. Mm -hmm. One one of the best pictures I've seen from you in a long time is a picture in the dog pound. I believe that was last, not this past season, but the season before. Outstanding. Which Browns player was voted to the Pro Bowl every year that he played? Is it Otto Graham? Jim Brown, Joe Thomas, or Ozzie Newsome? Dr. O'Toole, you get to guess first this time. Which Browns player was voted to the Pro Bowl every year that they played? Otto Graham, Jim Brown, Joe Thomas, or Ozzie Newsome? I'm, I'm thinking it's Joe Thomas. I'm thinking Joe Thomas. I just Joe came Thomas? up and got it as rookie year, but I'm going to go with Joe Thomas. Okay. Ted? All right. I'm not going to do the same thing I did the last time. I am... 99% that it's Joe Thomas. Okay. That's what yep. I'll go with. Well, the final answer is actually Jim Brown. <clears throat> Jim <clears throat> played for nine years. This is amazing to me. Well, obviously, I, I still think he's one of the greatest football players ever. He played for nine years, nine Pro Bowls every year. Wow. wow. Yeah, Joe Thomas, I think, did not make it his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah for the Pro sure. Bowl. So. Well, well Terry, there's you're a still the winner. There's a reason why they called Jim Brown the greatest of all time. It's true. Yes. Well, congratulations, Dr. O'Toole. Thanks, we'll, Ted. We'll figure out, we'll figure out what uh, game to look for you getting uh, obliterated on the sideline by uh, Miles Garrett or something like that. If anyone needs a colonoscopy on the sideline, I'm their man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Dr. I can O'Toole. Only imagine what that would how that would be narrated on sports center <laughs> oh my gosh well dr o'toole thank you obviously being in cincinnati and all that stuff uh, give you an opportunity to certainly if people want to find out more information about you know certainly colonoscopies or your practice how can they do that 
Yeah, I, th I think, Ken, the most important thing is if you're up over age 45 and you haven't had a colonoscopy, do think about getting one, especially if you have a family history. I mean, I work down here in Cincinnati uh, for a group called Gastro Health. So, I mean, you can go uh, gastrohealth.com or you could do ohiogi.com. Both of those will get you to our website. Um, but thanks again, guys. It was a pleasure. Um, again, it was awesome to, to catch up again and look forward to seeing you guys soon down here in Cincinnati. If you guys are in, just look me up. Thank you, Dr. Atul. Thank you, doctor. Ken, we're wrapping up episode number 52, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Would you give this show two thumbs up now that- I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice, of course. <laughs> what great, uh, great information from Dr. Terry O'Toole. We really appreciate his time and obviously a very good sport with, with a lot of this. And uh, it's part of the reason we had him on. We know he's got a great sense of humor. So that was cool. That yeah. was cool. And I, obviously the jokes throughout the, throughout the show were great too, Ted did a great job. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Do you know what the proctologist said to the pirate? I do not show me your booty. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyhow, oh, uh, boy. next week on the show, TV producer and author David Page. Amongst other things, he's the executive producer of Diners, Dives, and Drive-Ins. Wow. That We're is going to talk to him. Awesome. That's Should awesome. be pretty interesting. I don't know that it'll be as interesting as broadcasting yourself, giving a shot to somebody in the buttocks while you're waiting for court, but, you know, we could try, right? Or, or severing your finger when you're slashing someone's tires and you leave your finger there. I, I don't do. know if that's going to be up there either. I... I I don't understand any of this, but thank you very much for another fine week of absurdity and insanity. And I think that's our signature here. Is it not? Oh, it certainly is. And I know there's many more weeks of this and uh, looking forward to uh, more fun and foolishness next week. And Ted, I'm going to leave you with one last thing. No, what's that? We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.